This teaching is brought to you by Christian Family Church International. Ready for an encounter tonight with the Lord Jesus. Amen. Well, I can sense there's some hungry people in the house for a move of the Holy Ghost. And uh, I'm ready for you. You're ready for me. We're all ready for the Holy Ghost to show up in this house. Uh, I want to speak to you about the four characteristics on how to provoke the presence of God upon your life and give you a hunger and an appetite for the things of God. And I really believe that God will speak to us in a significant way during the whole service. I want you to start getting ready for your encounter. You, you cannot just sit there passively. You know, you have to engage. You have to come to the place where you say, God, I need an encounter with your Holy Spirit. I don't know about you, but I want to be changed forever. Amen? Amen. Praise God. You know, recently we, we got on a plane and we went to London. But before we got on the plane, I had a few days that I just wanted to uh, hang around the home preparing. So I checked the guys, you know, they were cutting the grass. And, you know, uh, then we went out a little bit on the quad bikes and uh, we did all these things, you know, just to relax before I, I went on a, on a UK uh, trip to go and minister there. But this is what I realized about the whole event. You know, when we got on the plane flying to London, that plane needs jet fuel, like 100% fuel to make that thing move and take off the ground, hundreds of tons to get off the ground. And so when I got in the air, I was thinking about that. Just before I got to the airport, they dropped me off in a car. The same petrol or the same fuel that's in the, in the airplane cannot be used in the car. It must be a lower grade. It's too powerful for the car. And, and, and I was thinking about the car dropping me off at the airport, and I was thinking about the quad bikes I was on is that I cannot use the petrol that's in the car in the quad bikes, and I cannot use the petrol in the quad bikes in the lawnmower. Everything has to be degraded. You know why the church don't have power? It's because we are not pure. We're not consecrated. I know that's a word the church don't understand today, but that is a, a, a sound of holiness that must come back. If you want the power of God, you need to have pure fuel in you. We cannot have mixtures with other stuff in us. We need to have pure oil, pure fuel of the Holy Spirit. And, and I believe that God is going to ignite something in this place. And you're going to take off like a supernatural being tonight. Amen. How many of you want pure jet fuel tonight? Come on. Now, you know, if you studied revivals, I'm busy now, you know, studying another revival. Um, I think it's very important that we as Christians understand where we come from. We must understand our, understand our foundations. The Bible says in Proverbs, if we remove the foundations, we will never stand. And some of us don't even know the foundations of revival. And I've been studying now the Brownsville revival uh, the past couple of weeks. And it's been so powerful to see that uh, Pastor John Kilpatrick prayed two and a half years every single day from five o'clock in the morning right up till uh, seven o'clock for revival. And then revival hit. It hit, it started 1995 on Father's Day, and it ended in 2003. I was in that revival. I sat in that meetings in one service. I'll never forget it, a Friday night. I went there. I just flew down to go and see this revival because I heard about people lining up at 1 o'clock the afternoon to get, ho to get into the building at 7 o'clock at night. I wanted to experience that. I wanted to see that. 
Sure enough, when I came there, people were lining up. Young people were lining up, singing praises to God. People falling under the power of God in the parking lot, waiting for a move of God. And at 7 o'clock when we entered in, the building was so packed, they said the following, if you are a Christian, would you please consider coming back tomorrow? We need your chair for the sinner. Prayer activated this. I sat in that meeting in the front row, and a man walked up there. I, th I thought Stephen Hill is going to preach, because I really went to go and see him. But he wasn't there that night. Another man came up there by the name of Jensen Franklin. Never heard of him in my entire life. He walked up there, he calls me out. He says, God is sending you back to your nation with, a, with an angel of revival. And you will stir the spirit of God in your nation under the young people. I never even knew who this man is. Never understood what was happening with me. But that revival fires is burning in our hearts. I truly believe that Jesus Christ is going to stir his bride again with a pure oil. We're going to be the bride with the oil. Amen. And we're going to have a hunger for our God like never before. And so we need to provoke the presence of God. I've learned this. You know, there are, are, are moves of the Holy Ghost. Firstly, you must understand something about a revival, about a move of God. Firstly, it's always sovereign. Or most of the times, it's a sovereign act of God. In other words, God decides, I'm going to visit Christian Family Church, and then the rest is history. Or we have to provoke the presence of God. We have to do something. And that's what I want to teach you on tonight is, is I believe that we have to come to the place where we say, God, we want you to move like never before in our generation. I don't know about you, but I want to see in my generation the Holy Ghost move. I want to see people lining up on a Sunday at 1 o'clock the afternoon waiting for these doors to be opened. Not because a man preached, not because there's a band, not because there's an artist, but because the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, come on, He's taking His rightful place. And so we need to get more power in our lives. And, uh, you know, Smith Wigglesworth, one of the great men of God, the apostles of revival. I, I love that man's history. Uh, raised so many people from the dead. Walked in the power of God. You know, understand, he was a plumber. Just a normal plumber. He could never read. The only thing he could read was the Bible. He was not literate. He could never read anything else. Except when he takes the Bible, he could read. The Holy Ghost would come upon him. And he would read. Anything else, he didn't understand. And he didn't believe in the baptism of the... Well, he believed. His wife didn't believe. And then he says, but I'm going to pursue this. And then one day in a meeting, he sat there and the Holy Ghost came upon him. And he got filled with the Holy Ghost and started speaking in tongues. And he wrote a letter to his wife and says, when I get back home, I'll be a brand new man. I've met the Holy Spirit. I am speaking in other tongues. Come on, how many of you are still grateful for the Holy Ghost tonight? I want to I read you one or two things quickly before I really get this thing going for you. How many of you know um, Evan Roberts? You see, we as the church don't even know who that is. One of the greatest revivalists, the Welsh revival. In 1904 to 1906, more than 100,000 souls were saved. And a complete transformation took place in the nation. Even more significant from that Welsh revival, the Azusa Street revival happened. How many of you know the Azusa Street? I've heard about the Azusa Street revival. Now listen to what he said, Evan Roberts. He wrote this and he said this. And I want you to hear this. He says, my soul was crying to God in, in a yearning 
to deep, uh, to deep for words when suddenly it seemed to me that I had passed under a shower of warm tropical rain, which was not falling upon me, but through me. My spirit, my soul, and my body under this influence was drenched in such deep, still calm as I've never known. And then he starts speaking about what happened after that. A moment later, people started getting healed. People started having experiences with God. We see the, the life of John G. Lake. How many of you have heard about John G. Lake? John G. Lake, one of the great apostles of all. He planted 625 churches, raised up 1,250 local pastors, saw 100,000 people saved in a, in a couple of years. The AFM movement that you all know, he started that. Charles Finney cried out to the Lord. Um, Smith Wigglesworth. I'm just giving you a couple of things here quickly. T.L. Osborne, maybe a bit more recent. T.L. Osborne, he said this. The next morning, he says, I had a deep desire to know God. The next morning at 6 o'clock, I was awakened by a vision of Jesus Christ as he came into the room. I looked upon him and I saw him like I see anyone else. No tongue can tell of his splendor and beauty. No language can express the, the magnificence and power of his person. Of all I heard and read about him, the half had never been told. His hands were beautiful. They seemed to vibrate with creative abilities. His eyes were streams of love pouring forth into my innermost being. When I came out of my room, I was a new man. Jesus had become the master of my life. I know this truth. He is alive. He is more than a dead religion. My life was changed. How awesome is this, family? Um, here is another man that I want to just quickly touch on something which I believe is very important. Charles Finney. How many of you know Charles Finney? Charles Finney had an encounter with God. He says, God, I want to know you. I want to have an encounter with you. And he said this, the next morning at 1 o'clock, Jesus appeared to him. From 1 o'clock till 4 o'clock, Jesus was in his room. Speaking to him. And for three months after that, every day. What is happening with our hunger for God? What is happening with our move of the Holy Spirit that we as Christians should carry? And I believe God is stirring a move again like never before. And this movement will be the glory of God coming back to the church. Coming back to our nations. Coming back to individuals' lives. It will not be a, a man-made thing. It will be the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. The latter glory shall be greater than the former glory. Now let me give you a couple of things here about an encounter. Please write this down. What is an encounter? What is an encounter? I want to give you some characteristics of an encounter. Firstly, every encounter will take you into a new season. Once you get an encounter, you'll go into a, a new season of your life. You will exit the current season and go into another season. I am ready to enter into another season of my life. Amen. The second characteristic of an encounter is it leaves you with an impact. You cannot be the same again. Never the same again. You know, my, my dad was one of the great founders with Apostle Theo of the charismatic movement in this nation. 
My dad came from a traditional church. He met my mom and she took him to her church and she thought by herself, when he comes here and he sees people clapping their hands and speaking in tongues, he's going to leave her, freak out, never come back. She invited him and he went that night to church and he felt a burning desire to know the Holy Spirit. And then they started dating and my dad was so in love with my mom. My mom would tell me that how he would write on, on the walls and on trees and everywhere, Nikki loves Rena. Totally in love with my mom. And then she took him to Amaro Sorello service right here in Beulah Park, where your old building was, around, the, around there. And that night, my dad encountered the Holy Spirit. And my dad tell, told us the story. He says, you know, when he was in that building, they asked uh, the people to go outside, it was pouring with rain. There's a tent out there that, uh, next to the building where they're going to pray for the people. He wants to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. He says, I walked out there and somebody prayed for me, for my dad. And he fell under the power of God in the tent, in the mud. So my mom tells the story. It was, there was so much mud. She walked with the high heels. You couldn't even see her heels. Just mud in that, in that tent. And my dad fell under the power of God and started rolling from the one side of the tent to the other side of the tent and rolled back. She says it lasted about 20 minutes, up and down, up and down. And my mom said this, when my dad got up, she said this, I was no longer his first love. Jesus became his first love. And he would go around and write on trees and on the ground, Nikki loves Jesus. Come on, how many of you want an encounter with the Holy Ghost again? We're going to birth a move of the glory of God. I believe South Africa is getting ready for the greatest outpouring of all. The latter outpourings that, were, that we've seen in the 70s and in the 80s and in the 90s. We're now going to see the latter glory combined. It's an all-inclusive movement of the Holy Ghost right now. So this encounter that I'm speaking about will leave you with an impact. The third thing, it will leave you with a desire to pursue God like never before. A lot of people get touched, but they're not getting changed. You know, Peter and James and John, they were with Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration. Jesus stood there, his clothes changed, his hair changed, his eyes changed. A loud voice from heaven came down and said, this is my beloved son. A whirlwind, a cloud of God's presence was there. Peter, James and John looks at this. They walk down the mountain and Peter denies Jesus. Because they were not changed. Touched, but not changed. Some of us come to church and we get touched. Oh, great service. Tweeted, great service. Wonderful service. But next Sunday we have to push you again. There's not a change coming. I truly believe that God is bringing His church back to that place that we can have a changed encounter with God. When, you are, when you're having an encounter with God, you must change. It leaves you hungry for God. Fourth thing that I see about an encounter. It leaves you hungry for more. It leaves you to lose your conscience of yourself. Number five. You lose conscience of yourself once you have an encounter. Too, too many people, when we have these meetings, these movements of the supernatural, you know, I see how people are, are spectators and not participators. 
but just check what's going to happen. Oh, I know that thing. Oh, it's another deaf ear. Oh, it's another blind eye. Oh, it's another thing. No, and there is no participation of the glory of God, the presence of God. When you have an encounter, it empowers you. And lastly, it will keep you on the cutting edge. Now I want to take you into the four things that provokes the presence of God. That releases the presence of God. That makes us as human beings to say, God, I place a demand on the anointing. Listen, let me just teach you something about the anointing. The anointing works on the law of supply and demand. If you don't place a demand on the anointing, it's not going to flow. A lot, of, a lot of us are just, oh, that's a great service. And there's no demand. You must place a demand. Hallelujah. So that mantle that man carries, the anointing he carries, the power he carries, I'm placing a demand on him. Let me tell you, I can pick somebody up right in the back of the building if they place a demand on me. Wherever there's a demand, there will be a supply. Jesus walked in the city. People are touching him. People are all over him. And one woman places a demand on the mantle of miracles. And she touched him. And he says... Somebody touched me. They said, a lot of people touch you. He says, no, virtue, anointing flow out of me. You can feel when the anointing flows out of you. I can feel when the presence of God leaves me and touch people. Some, sometimes I get a backlash. I lay hands upon people and they don't receive. And that anointing just poof, jumps back on me. Because if you're not receiving, not placing it the mark, it's not going to come. God will never force him on people. But there are hungry people in this house tonight. People that says, I want to have an encounter with the Holy Ghost here tonight. Amen. Now, the four things that I believe provokes a move of God or the presence of God. Number one is revelation knowledge. Revelation knowledge. What is revelation knowledge? Revelation knowledge is the thoughts of God in the now. We have to understand what God wants to do now. If we don't have revelation of what God wants to do now, we will just do church and not God. Where are we on the calendar of God? I ask this a lot of times for Christians. I said, where are we on the calendar of God? God doesn't work on time. He works on calendars and seasons. Where are we on the calendar of God? What does He want to do right now, tonight? We have to know the revelations of God. Have a revelation of the flow of God. Have a revelation of the move of the Holy Spirit. Like I said, I truly believe this coming move will be the glory movement. Why do you say the glory movement? Because the glory of God, the, the word glory means the fullness of. When the glory comes, there's fullness of everything. Fullness of joy. Fullness of healings. Fullness of miracles. Fullness of salvation. Fullness of everything. When the glory of God comes, it's fullness. It brings the fullness of God into a place. So we have to have revelation knowledge of this in order to sustain a move of God. With all due respect, I've just touched on a little bit of, of your foundations as, as Pentecostal charismatic people. On the Evan Roberts and the Smith Wigglesworth and, and John G. Lakes and Charles Finney's. Let me just tell this to you. If that, movement if that movement did start with God, but it was not sustained because the revelation never carried on. 
The revelation never pierced through generations. I think if John G. Lake has to come back tonight and see the condition of the church, he would shut down half of the things. Because it wasn't birth of that. The, mo- the movement became a monument. And I'm here to tell you tonight that I believe that the movement that is coming will not become a monument. It must be built on revelation knowledge that, listen, even when in 50 years from now, if Jesus didn't come, listen, and Pastor Thew's not here and I'm not here. And the, listen, the people must still have a move of God and still have an outpouring of the Holy Ghost and still have a meeting where the power of God is welcomed. That's what we are pushing for. We're contending for this. We're fighting for this. And the second thing about a move of God is unity. Unity. John chapter 17 and verse number 22. It says this, and the glory, the glory, the glory which you, have, which you gave me, I have given to them that they may be one just as we are one. The glory which you've given. I'm going to give to them. Why? Because we are one. If you want to see a move of God in Christian family church, we need to get revelation knowledge on the word of God. Number two, which you have, I mean, Dr. Thew is the most incredible teacher of the word of God. But the second thing we need to get united is in unity. When we praise, we come in unity. When we worship, we worship in unity. I don't like the song. I don't like the band. I don't like the lights. That's not unity. You must come in here as if you've never been in the house of God. I love what Pastor Chris said when he walked in here and he sat there and he fell on his knees. And he says, this must be God. There wasn't, um, you know, anything to say, please don't disturb that construction worker. You know, we don't want to disturb him. Please, nobody speak in tongues. Please, nobody sing too loud. Can Please just bring everything down because we have a construction worker in the house. No, the power of God, the anointing of God, the presence of praise and of worship convicted him without anybody even telling me anything. Unity of the faith. Unity in the spirit. Unity in giving. When God sees unity, he is pleased and the Holy Spirit moves. Division grieves the Holy Spirit. And unity will never work with a personal agenda, family. It's time we put our personal agendas aside and say, God, not my agenda, but your agenda. Not my program, but your program. Not my move, but your move. Not my name, but let your name be glorified. Because God dwells where there is unity. Number three is a hunger. Say this with me, hunger. This is where everybody gets touched and healed and delivered. Matthew chapter 5 and verse number 6. It says this, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. In the kingdom of God, hunger works like this. In the natural, uh, if I don't eat, I become hungry. In the kingdom of God is the following. The more, you, the more you eat, the more you become hungry. The more I see miracles, the more I want it. The more anointing I feel, the more anointing I want. The more I see the blessings of God, the more I want the blessings of God. The kingdom of God. How do I become hungry? By eating more. 
can never go on a spiritual diet. You need to stay hungry for God. Hungry for His presence. Hungry for more of God. Let me tell you, there's more of God. There's more of the Holy Ghost. There's more of the presence of God, which we've never seen in our lives. I was recently in a meeting with um, Apostle Maldonado. And when I was in that meeting overseas, every single person in the arena got healed. Everyone. And it was so moving to me to see that hundreds of people, everyone that came for prayer was healed. Everyone. I've only seen that once in my life. Where people just got healed all over that whole place without anybody praying for them. Oh, I know R.W. Shambach had a meeting like that. We sat in the, in, uh, with A.A. Allen, 1956, in a tent where God just walked in and he took over the meeting and people got healed. The next morning when they got there, they picked up dozens, dozens of, of glasses, earpieces, 12 wheelchairs, walking sticks. People just got healed. I recently heard Ola Roberts. Are you still here? Sorry, I'm just giving you some uh, history lesson. No, no, I'm making you hungry. I want to get you so hungry to walk out. You say, I want more of God. Let me first speak to you about Benny Hinn. He said this, he walks on the platform. And God said to him, get out. So he, he goes, he says, okay, God. So he goes and he stands next to the platform. God said to him, get out. Get, I told you, get out. So he goes to the green room. He sits in the green room. He says the third time, God said to him, I told you, get out of the building. He leaves the building, goes to his hotel room. Sits in the hotel room. He says, you know how I feel when God chased you out, out of your own meeting? <laughs> he says, for two hours, when he left, for two hours, people couldn't touch the pulpit. People were falling under the power of God. Miracles happening. People, uh, you know, healed of wheelchairs, uh, coming out of wheelchairs, and blind eyes opening, cripples walking. Because here's the thing, when we can just get out of the way, God can move by His Spirit. That's why the glory of God is coming back. Hallelujah. You know, all Robert said this, he says, it happened with him as well where God said, get out of the way. And, and, and he said this, God said just to him, I can't wait to start moving in a meeting and they, so that you can get done with your boring preaching. He said people started getting healed of the power of God. Family, I want to say this to you. Let's become hungry for the presence of God. Where there is no hunger, there is no pursuit of God. And fourthly, we need to have a sacrifice. Sacrifice. Now, let me just, I just want to jump back to hunger. In 2011, I was in a meeting here in East London. And the presence of God came in that building. And I remember how in that meeting, this, uh, Apostle Maldonado said the following. He says, Jesus just told me he'll be in this building in five minutes. And we counted. Four. Three. Two. One. 
and the next moment, people started flying out of their chairs. People being delivered, healed, set free when Jesus walked into that building. Here is the question why I speak about Taiwan and South Africa and all these places. All of them have one thing in common. The hunger for God. If you're hungry for His presence, He'll come. If we're not hungry, He won't come. And the fourth thing that provokes the presence of God really is sacrifices. Everything you sacrifice, God will honor. We cannot in this generation, I know sacrifice is a word that we may not be familiar with. Our generation wants everything convenient, comfortable. We want the blessings without giving. We want the anointing without paying the price. We want churches but without, you know, doing the price and paying the price of that. There is a sacrifice to the presence of God. There is a sacrifice to the anointing of God. And sacrifices provides power. Say this with me. Sacrifices provides power. Sacrifices, family, I want you to understand, is this thing that will cause us to live in the glory of God. Jesus was the greatest sacrifice. Abraham gave a sacrifice. We have to give sacrifices for God to move. Sacrifices of our own lives. Sacrifices of prayer. When there's a prayer meeting, it doesn't mean it's for the intercessors. It's, mean it's for everyone. Now, it's not convenient for me. Exactly. Where's the sacrifice? Oh, it's three services on a Sunday. Two service, services on a Sunday. Where's the sacrifice? We want God to move. But there's no sacrifice. We have to give sacrificially in our offering. Not just, oh, it's convenient for me. It's comfortable for me. When last did you give a sacrificial offering? When was the last time it really mm, touched you? I, I want to say this under the anointing of the Holy Ghost. In a couple of weeks from now, we will be celebrating with Dr. Sphere 40 years in ministry. Why don't you come with the sacrifice of giving? You know the sacrifices our spiritual father has paid? <laughs> hours of prayer. Hours of the anointing. Bless you. Hours of the presence of God. Sacrifice. Family time. Sacrifice. Finances. These pastors, I know Pastor Andre, some of these pastors, when the church went through a difficult time, they sacrificed. Sacrifice. That's why we are here. Because somebody gave a sacrificial offering. Sacrifices of praise. Sacrifices of worship. A sacrifice in my giving. If we want the movement of God to be continued on this generation, we're going to have to give sacrificially. God meets us at the place of sacrifice. God's responsibility is, in this generation, our responsibility is to provide the sacrifice and God provides the fire and we have to keep it burning keep it burning sacrifice of, of giving sacrifice of praise the anointing is not cheap it will cost you everything cost you your life 
If you want to have a greater business, sacrifice. Get unity. Get revelation knowledge of what's happening in the markets. You need to get those things. These four things is relevant to anything in the world. Get revelation knowledge, get unity, and become hungry for the things of God. I believe God is going to touch people here right now. I'm moving into ministry time. I believe God wants to touch every single person to have a hunger for His presence like never before. My prayer is that some of you will not sleep tonight. You will stay awake and say, why am I awake? Because God is drawing you. God is calling you. God wants to have an intimate relationship with you. There's a sacrifice that we have to bring. Sacrifice upon the altar. It's not always comfortable. It's not always convenient. It's not always profitable. But at the end of our lives, it's worth it to pray for the anointing of God. Thank you for joining us during this episode of Living Life with Dr. Theo and Bev Volmerantz. We hope that through this inspired teaching, you had an encounter with God. If you enjoy the teaching ministry of Apostle Theo and Dr. Bev Volmerantz and would like to enjoy more resources, we hope you will visit our website at www.christianfamilychurch.co.za or for our American listeners, www.christianfamilychurchsa.com.